Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi, I'm Peter Binke, partner at Heidegger and Struggles and member of the Corporate Officers Practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Michael Ponson, CFO of Langsess, a leading specialty chemicals company based in Cologne in Germany. Michael joined Langsess in 2004, holding several senior positions. He also sits on the board of Deutsches Aktieninstitut, the German body representing the interests of listed companies on the capital markets since 1953. Michael, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Peter, thank you for as well giving me the opportunity. Michael, can you tell us about your career journey and what aspects of leadership help you succeed and get where you are today? As you mentioned rightly, I started uh, the journey here at Lengses some uh, 17, 18 years, years ago. And especially in these days when we were spun off from Bayer, uh, we were a management team which were fairly new coming to the company. And in the very early days, the company was regarded as the um, kind of ugly duckling. And that created a passion for the business and for the company, which is probably the foundation of, let's say, the question with regards to where it all started from and what I and how I developed over the year. Because it clearly showed me that you have to have passion for what you do. You have to like what you do. That is what I tell my kids as well. Um, on the other hand, and that is probably a second element which I regard as, as important as a leadership skill, uh, is to take ownership. Especially again, and um, I have to come back to, to my experience in the very early days, there were so many things up and down here. It wasn't clear where and what to do at what point in time. And we simply, we did it. Yeah, it was not like waiting for somebody else to do things. It was just do it, get it done, keep it simple, take ownership. And taking ownership means, on the other hand, as well, trusting other people because I can't do it all on my own. Yeah, And, and this kind of balance between, on the one hand side, taking ownership, going for things, but on the other hand, granting trust to your team. These are probably the two, three most important elements when it comes to leadership skills. Langsa's aspiration is to be climate neutral by 2040. What impact will your sustainability strategy have on your workforce? We're a chemical company and therefore we have a very high responsibility when it comes to our corporate citizenship. And we were embedded and we are embedded in a global development with regards to ESG targets, which, and I always say that will be the future license to operate. And therefore we started to put ESG targets into, let's say, the different or into our system starting with management incentivation, for example. Since a couple of years, the board is incentivized by ESG targets. 
which means CO2 reduction. That holds true for the next level. In the finance department, we decided basically three years ago to put ESG criteria into our revolving credit facility. This year and end of last year, we initiated our first sustainable linked bonds. So it does have an impact on the overall workforce because more and more people in the organization are being measured from a financial point of view or are being asked to look into options with regards to ESG and be it on a social um, uh, criteria, be it diversity, be it on female quote, be it on flexible work. There are so many aspects which we are addressing in the organization to change the overall way we work. Yeah, and that needs to be done not only from the board, it has to start from the board, but that has to be uh, implemented in the organization and that then needs many hands to work on. How about its impact on your talent and retention strategy? If we want to attract talents, and no doubt we are in an environment where there is a, a need for talents. And if you as an employer do not fulfill the expectation of young talents. You will not get young talents. And therefore, it is very clear that we as an organization have to adapt. And we are adapting. We, let's say, when it comes to home office, when it comes to flexi models, which we're offering. So the work-life balance is changing compared to when I started working some 25, 30 years ago. And from a functional perspective as a CFO, what are you doing to prepare your finance department for the energy transition? It starts from the top. So I'm as the, let's say, head of the finance department, I have to lead by example. So that means I have to sit together with my colleagues and discuss what I said earlier, that the world is changing, no doubt about it. And we as a chemical company, especially as of today, if we look into the given and current environment of energy and, and fossil-based energy, it is clear that on a, on a sustainable basis, we have to change. It will be the license to operate. So the chemical industry is very much energy-driven, uh, or let's say has a very high energy consumption. And uh, the war uh, in the Ukraine forced by Russia is the example now. It is driving up fossil energy and we have to change. And that is the license to operate. And everybody as of today knows it. And that means looking then into the finance department, we have to then install and adapt to it. I mentioned a sustainably linked bond, which we, or a couple of bonds we initiated. Uh, the CO2 targets, which we put in our revolving facility, a uh, credit facility. Uh, when we uh, talk to students, we, of course, display our ESG strategy. We just got the uh, approval from SBTI that we are in line with the 1.5 Celsius degree roadmap of the Paris Commission. And that is where we have to, on a very wide basis, look into the detail, make everybody aware of it. And that is as well then linked to the finance department in particular. We are, as of today, the front runner. 
We have a very sophisticated ESG uh, equity story, but that is as well something where the whole organization worked with. We installed a sustainability committee in the organization and finance is obviously a vital part in here because finance is res responsible for the overall financial reporting. But as we as of today see that the trend is of an integrated reporting, so more non-financial elements will be part of the, let's say, financial reporting or legal reporting. And that needs to be adapted and that needs to be prepared. And we are well on, on track to do so. Michael, what has been the biggest learning so far for you? The lessons learned in here is that you always have to prepare for the worst, um, especially as the finance department. We don't want to be dependent on access to capital markets. And that is clearly something which we learned in the 2008-9 crisis when I was heading corporate finance and where the access to the market were closed. And therefore, we uh, adapted or recalled uh, these learnings beginning of the year because I think we are in a very challenging environment and we secured enough liquidity. And that is, from a financial perspective, one of the most important learnings which we applied again now in recent months. Because we all don't know what the future will bring, but I I rather be prepared than think about what to do if um, there will be a crisis, a deep crisis out there. And there's a, a chance that uh, we will see that. Absolutely. Michael, in your opinion, What leadership skills CFOs would need to develop in order to embrace and thrive the changes to come? I think the role of a CFO today, like it was probably since some years, is no longer just to take care about uh, having the tax report and uh, the financial reports in place. I regard the CFO as kind of um, an independent opinion leader in the board. Uh, independent because I don't have a responsibility for a business. So I can judge very independently or I'm supposed to judge very independently where, for example, to invest when it comes to growth capex or when it comes to M&A. But to have or let's say to voice an opinion i have to have an opinion which means i'm digging into the businesses as good as i can of course there are limited uh, limits to it but this is kind of what i uh, what i want to do so dig into the businesses understand the businesses on the other hand of course prepare for the worst and that is clearly something where We and I sat together when, uh, when my treasury team came along. For me, it was a learning journey. Let's put it like this, to listen to, to your teams, uh, to give trust to the teams, to put the right thing in place. Because especially in times like these, crisis out there, energy prices going through the roof, high uncertainty, you have to be transparent with your workforce as well, with your clients and customers. 
And I think these are major elements of leadership skills for a CFO next to, let's say, the normal duties of uh, putting financial accounts in place and having tax reports uh, in a proper manner. How did the role of the CFO change in the last two years and which changes do you expect to last? Yeah, Peter, I think especially in the past two years with the COVID crisis and now having uh, the war and the overall crisis, I think it is more and more of need of understanding the business and not only the financials. Uh, to have the exchange with the operational colleagues, I just discussed with my colleague what to expect uh, when it comes to energy and raw material prices next year. I mean, I could lay back and basically say, yeah, give me a number and we put it into the system when it comes to the budget. Uh, but I rather have a say when deciding over what numbers would be the right one and which impact would it have on our business. On the other hand, uh, you have to trust your people, listen to your people, uh, especially in times like these. The way we worked did change. Yeah, so... Prior to COVID, home office was not a major part of, let's say, um, your day-to-day -day work. Today, it is a vital element and we have to accept and we have to see that we are not losing efficiencies when it comes to working from home. There are obviously, and that is my personal opinion, limits to it because I, I still think there is a benefit as well of meeting in person on a regular basis, but we, on the other hand, have to adapt to it and grant freedom and trust to the people that if they work from home, they are as efficient as they are when they're coming back to the office. And that is probably a learning curve for the overall organization. Michael, what challenges do you foresee for CFOs in the next five years and how can CFOs prepare to face them? If I take a look at the actual geopolitical situation and nobody knows where uh, and how long the war will still last. But I think uh, the world changed some years ago already. We see more and more protectionism in the different regions of this globe and therefore the, the world is changing dramatically. I, I think it will rather accelerate in the next years to come. That means capital markets will change. Access to liquidity will change. Um, because next to the geopolitical situation here in Germany or in Europe, I must say, taxonomy will change as well, the access to capital market and the pricing of liquidity. So that is clearly something which we have to adapt or CFOs have to adapt in their treasury department. ESG taxonomy will not only have an impact on the liquidity or on the interaction with the capital market, but as well with internal organization and structures. You have to make sure that your financial reporting will adapt to it. Communication goes along with it, especially for a listed company. I said earlier, uh, more and more elements of our ESG strategy are part of the discussion which we have with investors on the equity side, on the debt side, but as well with our rating agencies. Um, and that is clearly something where a CFO have to uh, adapt to. It was at least not part of my agenda uh, five years down the road uh, when it comes to the interaction that changed uh, completely. 
um, looking into the um, the spendings of the states and the development we see in the different jurisdictions, uh, I I'm sure that the tax regimes will change over years. So there are many challenges out there for all the different finance departments which are in place. And therefore, the CFO has to adapt to it as well and make sure that the teams are right in place, that the teams have the right topics on the agenda and not only stay in their comfort zone, uh, which sometimes uh, is the more convenient place to be. Michael, one traditional path to a CEO role is by serving first as a CFO. What makes the CFO background a critical experience for a CEO role? Looking at my company here, we have a very good example because a former CFO of ours uh, is the CEO. And I'm very happy to have Matthias around. And I think he's truly an excellent uh, CEO. And I think that the years of experience as a CFO did help him entering the role. Because when I was mentioning the, the changes and the challenges for the finance department for the years to come, these are clearly challenges for the overall organization to come. And one major element to as well the role of the CEO is the communication. But if you understand the role of the CFO has an opinion on the business and digs into the business, is in interaction with the business next to his overall finance duties. And therefore, I think there are good examples that a CFO can step up to the CEO, especially when it comes to having an understanding of the business, of finance, and then the skills to interact with capital markets. So looking ahead, so do you have any additional uh, specific leadership skills or so additional to those we have already discussed and capabilities where you would say will be the most important for your company to meet its strategic goals over the next three to five years? We are facing a very challenging environment and our culture is embedded into, let's say, a performance-driven approach. So we must and will make sure that this company will be successful maneuvering through whatever comes in the next years to come. We are as well as a listed company focusing on generating and creating value, not only for the shareholders, but as well for our employees and customers. And that means we have to focus on then again financials when it comes to cash management, for example. Therefore, we have to train the organization. We have to interact with the organization, make the organization understand what is needed to generate value or to perform on a financial basis, especially in times like these. And these are probably elements next to values which we're having, be it uh, respect or be it uh, professionalism, especially in times like these, you have to trust, and I'm coming back, the people to give respect to the people and act professionally. 
because we have to take professional decisions to make sure that this company is successful like we did in the past and that we are maneuvering the company and steering the company through maybe difficult times ahead. Michael, thank you very much for making the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure. All the best to you and everybody. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.